We're glad to be together on this Sunday after Christmas and looking at God's Word, thinking about the things that He wants us to think about <clears throat> as we continue in this season, as Daniel told us this morning, uh, that uh, the Christmas celebration is not over just because Christmas Day has passed, but that we keep these things in our hearts as we love Him and worship Him together. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles or your tablets and phones, whatever you have, and turn, or even in the bulletin, to Daniel 7. We're going to look at verses 9 through 14, and then we're going to look at Matthew 26, 62 to 64. <clears throat> if you are able, would you stand as we read God's Word together this morning? I'll read for you. Daniel chapter 7, beginning at verse 9. <clears throat> As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him, a thousand Thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. And I looked because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and I looked, and the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." From Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 62. <clears throat> and the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. This is God's Word. Let's bow and pray together. Father, as we come to your Word this morning, we ask that you help us to understand it. We pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand and to take in all that you have for us because we know that you've called us together for your purposes, that you've enabled us to meet with you. So, Father, meet with us as we gather around your word. For we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, Christmas reminds us to think of the very beginnings of the Christian faith. In this season, we're, we're often drawn to think about Jesus, and we usually think of him as 
the both uh, according to two titles, really. We think of him according to the title of the Son of God, and we think of him as the Son of Man. But when we come to think about Jesus, we think of him as uh, what he said about himself, and we're caused to think about these two titles. You know, when uh, just a few days ago we were reading the genealogy of Luke chapter 3, and I was reading it, and I was reminded that, you know, what Luke says about the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he goes through this genealogy, and sometimes, you know, we get stumped over the names, but when you look at the genealogy, we, we see the genealogies, and they go back and they cover all these names, and it says the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, and then it goes all the way down, and it says the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God referring to Jesus. When Mary, you know, questioned the angel and she said, how could this be that we're going to, that I'm going to have a child since I'm a virgin? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Jesus says his baptism you remember as he was standing there in the water after John baptized him, there was a voice from heaven and the voice said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Over and over again, what do we see when we see the scriptures? We see the repetition of this phrase, the son of God. But we also know that there is the title, the son of man. And it's that title that I want to look at with you today because Jesus used this title about himself many times. Uh, I counted them, and I think I've counted close to right, and it looks like about 65 times. In the passage from Daniel that we read just a few moments ago, it says, one like the Son of Man is coming, and to him is given dominion and glory and a kingdom, so that all the peoples, the nations, and men of every language might serve him. Well, here we are at Christmas, at the Christmas season, and we're thinking about this person that we're worshiping, this pers person that we are, that we've come to focus everything around during this season. And we need to understand more and more about this Jesus, who is the Son of God and the Son of Man. I want to look today at why Jesus used that title, this, particularly the Son of Man, why he used it about himself? What did he mean by that title? And why did the Son of Man come? What was it that he hoped to accomplish? And how does that make a difference to us today? Well, the title that Jesus used for himself, if you look at it over, I just looked at one whole section of Mark one day. And I was looking at both how the title is a high title referring to an exalted one, like coming on clouds of glory with power and to establish a kingdom that can never be stopped. And then I looked at some of the verses that Jesus said about the Son of Man, and he said, you know, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed. The Son of Man is going to be humbled on the cross. The Son of Man is going to be rejected. He's going to be spit on. He's going to be uh, crucified, and then he's going to die. When you look at this title, the Son of Man, you see that it's both a high title and it's a low one, speaking about the very work that Jesus had come to do. 
Well, where does it all start? Well, always we go back to the beginnings of our Bible, don't we? We go back to Genesis. And when you go back to Genesis, you see Adam and Eve. And you see Adam and Eve are the ones that are the first human beings. And we remember that Adam and Eve were called man. And in this context, they were called man or humans. And we remember that they lived in this perfect world. They had everything just right for them. They had fellowship with God. They had a perfect environment in which to live. And as they did, we know that they still fell into sin. They still did the one thing that God told them that they shouldn't do. And they introduced into our or into this world uh, imperfection, sin, death, all the consequences of those things. And what was it that God said to them after they sinned? God looked at these humans and he said to them, after he, he spoke first to Satan and he said to Satan, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. The seed of the man or the seed of the woman shall crush your head. We see that the promise that God gave on that first time in which sin was entered into, in which sin came into the world, from that very beginning, God said, it's going to be the seed of the man, the seed of the son of man, the son of these humans that's going to come and he's going to do something about this problem that has happened today. In Genesis 4, chapter 1, we see Adam and Eve having their first child, Seth. And we see that what Eve says is, I have gotten a man from the Lord. It was her belief that there in the very beginning that the promise that had been made to them when they had sinned that God was going to send, this child was going to be the one. It was her belief at that time or their belief at that time. She says, I have gotten an, a man from the Lord. In other words, the one, this son of ours that's going to change the world, that's going to undo what's been done, that's going to change everything and make the world right again. Well, sadly, it wasn't the case then. We had to wait a long time, didn't we? But from the beginning of Genesis, believing humans were looking for the Son of Man that would come and change what was wrong and make things right between God and man. Abraham was looking for the same thing. We remember when he was called to uh, go up onto the mountain to sacrifice his son, his only son Isaac. God said to him, take him up here put him on the altar, and so Abraham did. We remember that Abraham not only put him on the altar, but he took up the knife and he was ready to take the life of his son, the son of the promise, the son that everything depended on. He was ready to take him. But God said, stop. And God put over in the bushes a ram that was to be the substitute sacrifice for his only son, Isaac. There was a prophecy that was spoken from those times on, and it said this, on the mountain of the Lord, it, in other words, the sacrifice, will be provided. And so from Abraham's day, Abraham and all these believing humans who were waiting for a special change to take place, all of these people were looking 
for the one that was going to be sacrificed on the mountain, who would be the sacrifice that they were looking for, the perfect lamb who would take away their sins and would make them right with God now and forever. In Daniel chapter 7 that we just read, you know, we see the Son of Man. Daniel had this vision, and when he saw this vision, he saw this high and exalted person. This Son of Man was going to come on clouds of glory, and it was the picture of this one who had great glory himself and who came with power and who was going to come with the angels, and he was going to establish a kingdom. He was going to have authority over all people, all nations, and then he was going to establish a kingdom that could never be stopped, one that would never end, a kingdom that would last forever. All throughout the Old Testament, over and over, these believing people were looking, and they were looking, and they were looking, and they were looking for the Son of Man that would come and who would deliver them, the Son of Man who would come who would be the one who would crush Satan's kingdom, the one who would be the substitute sacrifice, the one who would come and make all things right between God and man, the one who would be coming on clouds of power in glory and who would set up an eternal kingdom. Now, when Jesus came and we look at the New Testament and see what he said about himself, we see that he appeared on the scene of history And he started talking about himself in both of these terms, son of God, son of man. When Jesus came, remember, he was 12 years old, one of the first things we read about in the Gospels. And when he was 12, they went to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. His family went. His whole extended clan went. They go with the neighbors, the family, the friends, and they go and they go to Jerusalem. And they spend the time there, and then we know they come back. And Mary and Joseph get, in the, get their family together, and they don't see Jesus, but they are not concerned because they know he's got to be somewhere. He's got to be somewhere in the family. He's got to be somewhere among the, fr- the neighbors, the friends. And they go, and they go for a while, and then they don't see Jesus, and then they start to worry. They start to think, where is he? And they look around, and they can't find him. And they extend their search throughout the the folks. They can't find him. And finally, they turn around and go back to Jerusalem. Finally, on the third day, his mother and dad find him in the temple. And they go up to him, and they say, Son, why have you done this to us? Why have you put us through such worry and uh, anxiety? And Jesus looks at him and he says, didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be about my father's things? Now, that's what it literally says in the Greek. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be about my father's things? Many of the translators say, didn't you know it was necessary for me to be about my father's business? The son of God. Jesus is claiming to be the Son of God. He's right there in the temple. He's answering questions. He's showing discernment when the priests talk to him and question him. He questions them. He says, I'm the Son of God. Jesus also said, I'm the Son of Man because in Mark 2.10, Jesus says, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
You remember that occasion? And then a few verses down, he says, I am the Son of Man, and the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. You know, they called him because he had uh, told his disciples that they could go through the, the fields of grain, they could take the grain in their hands, they could rub it together, they could take it and they could eat it. And, you know, that was considered work among the Jews. And the Jews said it's, it's wrong to work on the Sabbath. But Jesus told his disciples they could do that because they were hungry. And they came to him and they said, why have you let your disciples do this? Don't you know what day it is? What are you doing? And he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. And then at the end of his life when he was on trial, as we've just read in Matthew chapter 26, he said, you're, you're going to see the Son of Man coming on clouds of glory with power from heaven. You're going to see the angels come and you're going to see him uh, do all of this because he is establishing the kingdom. To the disciples on the cross, Jesus said, about the cross, he said, the Son of Man will be rejected and betrayed and be killed. But afterwards, the Son of Man will not be able to be held by death. So you see, an exalted title coming on clouds of glory, but also the Son of Man is going to be spit on, He's going to be crucified. He's going to be put to death, but death won't be able to hold him. One time Jesus said when he talked about his mission, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, if you and I are going to celebrate Christmas, we must know Jesus as he really is. We must know him as the Son of God, and the Son of Man. He was not just a religious leader or the founder of a faith. He was not just a moral teacher or some kind of philosopher. He didn't claim to be any of those things, but he did claim to be the Son of God and the Son of Man from Daniel. So since the days of the believing people in the Old Testament, they've been looking for that Son of Man to come. They'd been looking for that Son of Man to come who would crush Satan's kingdom. They were looking for one who would come and make things right between God and man. They were looking for one that would come who was high and exalted and who would establish a kingdom that would last forever, who was going to come on clouds of glory with power from the right hand of God. Now, if you ask why Jesus came, he came to fulfill these roles of Son of God and Son of Man. But what did he accomplish by his life and his death? Well, what he did was he delivered death, the death blow, by his work on the cross. Because now we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer bound by it. You remember the Bible says that he's transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. Jesus is the perfect lamb that God, he's the perfect lamb of God who came to seek and to save that which is lost. And he was the one who rescued every person who trusts in him 
because Colossians 1 says he did that. He transferred us out of that wrong kingdom, the kingdom of darkness and death, and transferred us to the true kingdom, the kingdom of God's own Son, where we have forgiveness of sins. If we take our Christian Christmas observance just as a tradition, just as a nice thing or an excuse to give each other presents, that's not, that's not addressing the point of who Jesus was and why he came. We have to look beyond what we do to what Jesus said. We have to look beyond our cultural celebration to what it's really all about to, to honor and to give glory to the one who was the Son of Man and the Son of God. Jesus is not just a name in history. He's not just a religious leader or a moral teacher or a philosopher. We've got plenty of those. But Jesus was the one true Son of God who came to be born of Mary, the virgin, who came because he was put there by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was the one who became flesh for us, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. He was the son of man that all the believers in the Old Testament were looking for. He came for the sake of his own people so he could crush Satan's power and his kingdom. He came to destroy the kingdom of hell and death and sin, and he came to make us right so that we'd have a right relationship with God and with one another. He did it by dying in our place. You see, here is a God who doesn't come to be catered to, but one who caters for us, the one who gave up everything for us, the one who gave up his life for us so that we could live now and then in his eternal kingdom that never ends. What difference does it make that Jesus was the Son of God and the Son of Man? Well, it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? It makes all the difference in the world if he was who he claimed to be those 65 times in the New Testament. It makes all the difference for us because as a result of his perfect work on the cross, of his life and death for us, we can have life. We can have life now and life forever. And we can have a meaningful life both now and in the future. You know, this past week I listened to a podcast on the founder of the company Burt's Bees, which I believe has their offices here uh, in, in our area. Um, the, the lady who founded Burt's Bees said when she was in college, she rejected materialism and capitalism and didn't care anything about money. And that all she wanted was a life of purpose and meaning. She was expressing what all of us feel. That we want a life of meaning and purpose. That we want our lives to count for something. We can't just go through life and say, what are you doing? Well, I'm working so that I can make money, so that I can raise my family, so that I can retire. You know, that's just a, a circle, isn't it? It's just an endless circle. We want our lives instead to have purpose and meaning. We want our lives to matter. This Christmas when we talked about Advent, we talked about the four things that Advent focuses on. <clears throat> the four things of Advent are hope and peace and love and joy. 
And those are the four things that you have when you put your trust in Jesus. You have hope because Jesus has saved you and given you new life. You have peace with God because Jesus has ended the war between you and God, the war that's based on our own selfishness or our own choosing ourselves and making ourselves the God that we worship and we follow and that we put first. We know that we have love because we've experienced the real love of God, the love that sacrificed, that God sacrificed himself for us. And you have joy because Jesus has transferred us, transferred you if you have hope in Jesus from the old kingdom of darkness, despair, depression, sadness into the kingdom of life and joy and hope. What difference does it make to trust in Jesus as God the Son and the Son of Man. You see, it makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have sent your Son, Jesus, as your Son clearly to us who demonstrated who he was to us and then that he was the true Son of Man, the one that came to take on our sins, to take our place on the cross, to live and die, to be resurrected and to be ascended into heaven, sit at your right hand for us. Help us, Father, as we worship you, as we seek you, as we seek you especially at this time of year. And may we walk in the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave his life for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.